relax at the near the end of the day. If there's anything that we want to lay down before the Lord just to hand over for the while that we're here, just do that consciously. as we're reflecting tonight on the Holy Spirit we ask you Holy Spirit to come to us to breathe the breath of new life into us and in every breath we take Fill us with that peace that comes from Jesus. And above all, breathe into us that love love that is beyond all of our imagining. The love that hopes all things, believes and endures. The love that never ends. In the evening of that same day, the first day of the week, the doors were closed in the room where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them. He said to them, Peace be with you. And after saying this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy at seeing the Lord, and he said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so am I sending you. And after saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And just take a moment to consider the experience of 
the early disciples, the experience of being closed inside a room. They have locked themselves in because they're afraid and they're confused. we have any experience of being locked inside ourselves in any way, just ask Jesus to come to that experience. To come to any experience of fear that we have. anxiety, and as he said to his disciples, so he says to each of us now, peace be with you. Let that gift of peace come. Let it settle upon you. Let it settle into you. So it's one of the central things in the creed that we say at Mass every Sunday, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. So that's the, the what we believe about the Holy Spirit. Um, What is important, I suppose, the, the revelation of God, God's revealing himself to his people has been a very gradual revelation. Um, if you read, if you look through the whole Old Testament, the Holy Spirit isn't known or understood at, at that stage of revelation, even though the Holy Spirit is actually there. Um, but it's only when Christ comes and he introduces the Holy Spirit to us that we begin to understand that from the very beginning the Holy Spirit was active. And some very interesting pieces that the Holy Spirit, the word Holy Spirit, I don't know if it's the Hebrew or Greek, but it's called Ruah. And that means the breath of God. And so the Holy Spirit is 
the divine breath of God, that is a powerful, living, personal breath of God. And in that passage that I just read there, um, just the, when, I, when I finished reading it, it says, after saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So in that moment, Jesus is beginning to give the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And it, it's showing that Jesus in his divine nature has the breath of God in him. And so he imparts the breath of God to his disciples. But at the very beginning of the book of Genesis, when it's talking about the creation, and I spoke about this the last night that I was here, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was a formless void. There was darkness over the deep with a divine wind sweeping over the waters. And so that's the first hint of the Holy Spirit uh, that is in the Bible and this sense that in that wonderful, mysterious moment of creation, you know, there's the chaos uh, and there's the darkness and there's, there's all of what goes on and you have this divine wind sweeping over it and it's part of the creating work of God. The, 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 wind, the divine wind of the Spirit sweeps and then God speaks the word, let there be light. And, and so that, that's a, it's a very important beginning um, of the Holy Spirit. Um, I love the, Jesus uses the image of in John's Gospel chapter 3 when he's talking to Nicodemus about what it means, he talks about being born again, you know, born into new life, uh, but born into new life in the Holy Spirit. And he says, you have to be born of water and the Holy Spirit. And uh, he talks about, he says, the wind blows where it will. You can hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going. And so it must be with those who are born of the Spirit. So there is that quality of, of the wind that blows. And it's not something that we take that seriously as Christians, uh, this sense of the unpredictability of the Holy Spirit, that, that it has that quality. You cannot see where the wind begins to blow and you cannot see where it's going. Uh, the, the secret in spiritual terms is somehow to have the freedom within to be blown in the wind of the Spirit, uh, to, to be carried in the wind of the Spirit. Uh, we tend, generally, I suppose, we, we, we like structure, we like clarity, we like to know that this is this and this is this. But there is an aspect of the divine life that cannot be tied down at all. And, and this is the action of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives and, and in the world, that, that it is utterly beyond our control, utterly beyond our prediction. Uh, and, but the, the secret is somehow to be able to let go to the movement of the Spirit. And, and that's the, the work that Jesus is trying to introduce his disciples to, that, that just getting them to learn uh, to give in 
give in to the Holy Spirit, give in to this movement of life uh, that is in the Spirit. Uh, the other piece, the second piece where we get a hint of the Holy Spirit in the book of Genesis again is after God made Adam, that's, that's how it's begun there, it says he created Adam from the, the soil of the earth, that we are, we are earthly by nature, but then it says he breathed into him the breath of life, you know, that God breathed the breath of life. Uh, into what is earthy and animates it. And that's, I suppose, what the spirit does. It animates, it gives an extra dimension of life uh, to what is earthly, to what is, to what is human. Uh, and so the, the, that sense of, of the breathing of God, God breathing life into us. And it's, it's, a, it's both that and the, the piece from, from the creation at the beginning I love that sense of, of God breathing, the, the, the spirit breathing and, and blowing. And it's one of the things that I've done in my own life for many years when, when I've gone through chaos and you know chaos is part of my life. Um, what I have done, especially in my, let's say, I don't know, my thirties, when life was kind of tumultuous in many ways, and I f would find that within myself, I, I just didn't, maybe couldn't get a hold of myself at times. And I would say to the spirit that hovered over the original darkness, I would ask the spirit to hover and over my chaos and bring order out of it and bring light out of my darkness. And I, I, it's, it's a prayer I believe has been heard in, in many ways. I, I don't think my chaos has ended, but, um, but you know, I think when you, when you take the risk to ask the Holy Spirit to, to do it, then God is faithful. God hears uh, those kinds of prayers and, and you know, exerts his, his influence over us. Um, so th this breathing of God that, that we have, and I mentioned the last time as well, where this image came from, uh, the three visitors that came to, to see Abraham and Sarah, uh, and he entertained them at, at his table. And when Rublev drew, uh, painted this or, or wrote this icon, he used the three angels that came to Abraham to depict the Trinity of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And I always love the idea that God is, that this is kind of like the kitchen of heaven. This is where God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit sit together. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's an image of, of, of reality, but, but it kind of gives, gives me a sense that there's a connection between the kitchen of my life and the kitchen of heaven or the dining room or whatever, you know, where, where people, where families sit together. And there are two things that are significant as well. One is when it says we are created in the image and likeness of God. We are created in the image and likeness of Father, Son and Holy Spirit together. You know, that that is the image that is in us. Uh, and we are made for we are made for relationship, that, that's such a central part 
of who we are and that this is like the expression of the perfect relationship, the perfect family, if you like. Um, like we, we talk about the Holy Spirit in terms of he, um, but the Holy Spirit is spirit. It's not either he or she, uh, but it's just, it's been our tradition uh, to, to speak in terms of he, but there would be many women's groups in, in the church who talk about the Holy Spirit as she. Um, I was at a conference one time and this <clears throat> priest was up giving a talk and there was like about a hundred of us there, more than half would have been uh, women. And he spoke about the Holy Spirit as, as he. And there was a big roar came up from the, the floor. She, you know, the, the, the really Im, Im, impressing. But so like if you feel that the Holy Spirit, you can address the Holy Spirit in terms of she, that, that's quite acceptable. Uh, but our language is always like it's limited and inadequate. But, but but that we are created in the image of them and in the image of their relationship, uh, and above all, the spirit represents the love that is at that table, the quality of love that is taking place uh, between the father and the son. The, the power of it, the energy of it is, is personalized in the Holy Spirit. And that's the movement that comes from that table. I don't know if I said it the last day that in this image, there's that empty space there. Uh, I don't know if I said that to you. But when we look at that image, we're invited to take our own personal place there. You know, so if you're looking at that, somehow to let yourself be drawn into that space that is yours and to have a contemplation of the reality that's taking place there. Um, in the New Testament, we, when we meet Mary uh, at, at Nazareth, when the angel Gabriel comes uh, and appears to her uh, and announces to her that she's to become the mother of God, and like she, she's a virgin. She, she asked the question, well, how can this be? You know, this is impossible. And then the, the, the answer of the angel is the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will cover you uh, with its shadow. And that's how uh, Jesus is conceived. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, a great mystery, but that is, the word that, that and that that's what happens in Mary and she she's spoken of then in in that moment and afterwards she's spoken of as the spouse of the spirit that she somehow she's 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 married to the spirit in the moment of her acceptance that that and it, I like that that idea even though in a lot of our devotion to Our Lady, she's presented in very still, kind of serious uh, images and, and very serene usually. But there's a poem by Gerald Manley Hopkins. Have you come across him? He actually, he used to come to Hastings to visit Tyre de Chardin, I believe. Uh, the great um, scientist, he was a Jesuit priest. They're both Jesuit priests. 
but Hopkins um, has this poem, poem called The Blessed Virgin Mary Compared to the Air That We Breathe. And he calls her wild air, world mothering air, nestling me everywhere. I think that's really powerful. It's like it's the, the, the power of motherhood that, that, is, that is wild, that is strong, that is nestling, that is enfolding. And it connects so much with what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit. You know, this wild air that, that, that blows in that way. Uh, and I think it's absolutely right that Mary becomes that. Uh, it's a very, very powerful uh, sense of who she is. And one of the things that I really love living by the sea, um, love it in the west of Ireland, but I love it here. I just love to go down when it's wild. I love the feeling uh, of the sea itself when it's wild. And I love when the wind is blowing, you know, because it gives me a real sense of the living spirit and the living Mary, a spouse of the spirit and the possibilities uh, that are given to us when we give in, when we let go to the, this wind, the, the divine wind that blows. Um, for Jesus himself, we see in, in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, uh, when he is baptised in the river Jordan and he comes up out of the river, he has this, this experience it's like heaven and earth meet together and he sees the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. And this is another one of the, the great symbols of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove and he brings down to Jesus the voice of God the Father and saying to him, you are my beloved son. My favour rests on you. And that's, that's so important to Jesus as he begins his public ministry as the Messiah, uh, as he faces into uh, you know, a future that as a man he's, he doesn't fully, fully know. Uh, and, and so it's important that his beginning in this mission is marked by that, you are my beloved son. And that's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit, to be with Jesus, uh, to remind him of who he is. Uh, to remind him of, of his status as a beloved son. And for us then as well, that, that on our journey, and I'm sure I said it to, to, to Willem and Pharaoh when they were baptised, that very peace is spoken uh, when, when anyone is baptised, that you become God's beloved daughter or son. And it, it, to me, that, that's very, very important as a foundation uh, for our lives and that this is what the Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us of. You are God's beloved. I am God's beloved. And then that's important for Jesus because the very next movement in his life is, we're told in Luke chapter 4, that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and he left the Jordan and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, one of the translations says he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. 
And this was important in the life of Jesus because he needed to be clear what his mission was about. And there the Holy Spirit leads him to a decisiveness and a clarity about what his life is about as the Messiah. And it gets him to make the choices between, like he has the experience of being tempted by the devil. Uh, all of the easy options were being presented to him. You know, you, you, all of the, the comfort options were being presented to Jesus uh, in the wilderness. And he knew that there was a decep deception in that. And he chose, you know, the, 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 I suppose he chose the hard road, but what, ultimately what he chose, and this is what the Holy Spirit does, is ultimately Jesus chose what God the Father wants. And you hear that in the life of Jesus all of the time. Um, my food is to do the will of my Father. And that's what the Holy Spirit keeps prompting. Uh, and for us in, in our Christian lives, uh, because we are united to Jesus, then that has to be a refrain in our lives, even though we don't go around saying it all the time. But uh, there is that sense that I'm not just doing my own thing in life, that I have a mission from God. And it's what God requires of that mission has to be my, my, my agenda, if you like. Uh, and there's always, I know my own life as a priest, there's always that pull between knowing what's required in terms of the mission and what I, what I want to do myself or what I don't want to do. You know, there's often a sense of resistance to what God is asking of us. Uh, but so there the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit keeps, keeps reminding us. Um, The Spirit is given to us. Jesus says in John's Gospel, chapter 14, I shall ask the Father to give you an advocate, the Spirit of truth, who will lead you to complete truth. And so that's when Jesus leaves this earth, what he leaves behind is the Holy Spirit who leads us to truth. Who leads us who teaches us uh, and so like are you aware of Pentecost in the Bible have you no okay they that piece I read first when we when we were silent uh, is after Jesus rose from the dead the disciples don't know that he's risen and they're in there locked inside and they're 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 afraid and so Jesus comes in to the upper room. The upper room is where the Last Supper took place. So it's a very sacred um, location. It's where we get the Eucharist from, the Last Supper in the upper room. But it's also then into the upper room that Jesus comes and breathes the breath of the Holy Spirit onto the apostles. And then later, after Jesus ascends into heaven, the apostles and the early disciples go back to the upper room again. That's their refuge. And they're, they're in prayer there for, I think it's about 10 days they spend in prayer. And then there's this very dramatic experience of Pentecost. Uh, 
um, which I should read for you. Um, It's quite a strong, strong experience. And it's a kind of a contrast to what, what we read in John there, where Jesus breathes the breath of the Spirit. There's something very gentle about the breathing of the Spirit. And that's like the beginnings of the gift of the Spirit to the apostles. And if this would open at the right page, it would be great. Yeah, Acts chapter 2, it says, When Pentecost Day came round, they had all met together, when suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a violent wind, which filled the entire house in which they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire. These separated and came to rest on the head of each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak different languages as the Spirit gave them the power to express themselves. So they had a very strong experience. Um, and what it did to them, this is regarded as the birth of the church. It transformed them. The, the change that took place in the early disciples was very, very dramatic because going from being locked inside the upper room, afraid and confused, they went out with great courage and started proclaiming Jesus as Lord and as Saviour and as Messiah. And from then on, it's, it's quite extraordinary. Uh, the, the, the fearful became fearless. And that's one of the the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is, is the power of the Spirit to transform our lives. In, most of the time it's in a gradual way, but there are times when, if we're really open to it, there can be quite a dramatic transformation of our lives when we open, uh, open ourselves to, to the Holy Spirit. Um, one of the things that there's another picture we have as Palatines is it, it, it depicts Our Lady surrounded by that group of early disciples and they're praying. They're praying for the Holy Spirit to come. And, and that's an important thing uh, in our lives that we invite the Spirit to come. We, we ask the Holy Spirit to come. Even if you don't understand what the Holy Spirit is or how the Holy Spirit might come, if we invite and we pray. And it's basically, come Holy Spirit. You know, if you say, come Holy Spirit, uh, you're inviting and the more you pray it, uh, the more it becomes part of you and the more open uh, you become to that, that inflowing of the Holy Spirit and its transforming power. Um, so that, that's that's, how the Holy Spirit has sort of come from the very beginnings through creation, through the prophets, through Mary uh, and from Jesus then uh, given to us. Um, so this era since Jesus ascended to heaven is, is called the era of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are living in the time of the Holy Spirit. The church is 
is under the influence of the Holy Spirit, under the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it does, the Spirit works in all sorts of different ways. It works in the formal structures of the church, like in the sacraments. You'll hear about the sacraments at, at, at a later stage. Uh, in the Word of God, that's one of the most, in, in my, my life, the, the Word of God is is extraordinary what, what it can do when you listen to it in the spirit. Um, you might notice that when I read the gospel or when Duncan reads the gospel and before I speak, I always take silence. And my silence there, I'm calling on the Holy Spirit to help me to lose myself and then to speak the word of God. And then I pray for everybody listening that the Spirit will help people to hear what they are meant to hear. And that's what can be quite extraordinary at times. At that experience of Pentecost, the, they talk about the gift of tongues. The disciples went out and preached the word of God. And people of all cultures and different languages were able to understand the word of God, even though they had different languages. Uh, and what I've seen so often, uh, let's say I give a homily at Mass, and I think I know what I'm saying, but very often afterwards, people will come up and say, uh, well, thank you for saying such and such a thing, and I would have no memory of having said it. Uh, and somehow they might even have heard what I said, differently to what I said. But, but that's somehow the spirit respecting every person's need because the word is given to us to, to, to help us. And, and so it speaks differently uh, to each person. You can be saying the same thing, but that it, it has that power to, to speak differently uh, to, to people in, in, in their own personal kind of way. Um, there's an awful lot more, I suppose, can be said. We'll be doing confirmation later, which does a lot about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the, the, the Holy Spirit affects our lives. Uh, but maybe one final thing is what St. Paul talks about, uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in prayer. Um, and this is very important. It says, as well as this, the Spirit too comes to help us in our weakness. For when we do not know how to pray properly, then the Spirit personally makes our petitions for us in groans that cannot be put into words. And he who can see into all hearts knows what the Spirit means because the prayers that the Spirit makes for God's holy people are always in accordance with the mind of God. And so you might think, how do I pray? Or I don't know how to pray. Then I would say, ask the Holy Spirit to pray in you. And the Holy Spirit will pray in you. But you don't know how. But again, it's like the breath. The, the Vincent Pilotti, who founded our community, the Palatines, 
he talks about the simplicity of prayer being like breathing. And you know, I'm sure you've come across various exercises and meditations that do breathing exercises. He would see it, the, the prayer in the spirit is more than just a breathing exercise uh, to make you feel good. He would say that the spirit who is in, who is everywhere, who is in the air that you breathe, uh, is in every breath that you take. So that you can be breathing in union with the Holy Spirit, not just breathing, but breathing in union with the Holy Spirit. And then there's something divine taking place within you. Um, I had a very lovely experience with my mother um, a couple of weeks before she died and I went to the hospital to see her on a Sunday morning and I had said to the nurses um, I'd like to say mass for my mother in her room and the nurse says well why don't you say it for everybody and so I went there Sunday morning to say mass but I went to my mother to get her ready help her get ready to go to mass and as she was getting dressed, she said to me, sadly, she said, I can't pray. And that's something that happens to a lot of people when they come to old age or to sickness. They get this experience that they're no longer able to pray. And I said to her, ma'am, don't worry. The spirit is praying in you. And she said, okay. And then we went off to celebrate Mass, and I hadn't prepared myself for Mass at all, didn't know what the readings were, but the second reading was that very piece that says, when we do not know how to pray, the Spirit prays within us uh, in groans beyond utterance, something like that. And when we came back after Mass, my mother said to me, did you hear the reading? And that gave her then permission to let the Holy Spirit pray within her. Uh, and, and there was lovely, lovely prayer happened with my mother and myself for the last couple of weeks of her life uh, that, that were very, very beautiful. Um, but that she had the freedom then just to know that the Spirit was praying in her. And, you know, so often in life we're carrying so much of life. We carry so much responsibility or things that we need to do. It's one of the lovely things of the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit acts on our behalf. That's one of the important functions, that there is a Spirit to carry us and to move within us and to pray within us uh, in, in ways that, that we might not expect. So I think that is all I will say for tonight. Um, any questions on this big mystery? <laughs> what, what does Palestine mean? What does? Palestine? Did you say Palestine? No, Palatine. Palatine. Us, the, the community. When you say us, who they, they, um, 